Welcome, guys, to Kieran's Corner. Once again, it's your team, your say. After a small hiatus because a COVID vaccine decided to kick my <laughs> ass into next week. Um, but we've got everyone's favourite college football podcast host, Lee Wakefield. Welcome to my show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for a very nice introduction. Don't know if it will remain as cordial, but yeah, I hope it does. But yeah, thanks for having yeah, me, mate. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, well, we're, this, this is going to be interesting because uh, the quarterback who is uh, going to be talked about a lot today is a, a guy who we, we were kind of split on, but I think now probably our opinions are a little bit uh, more aligned. Uh, but without further ado, guys, welcome to Kieran's Corner. It's about that time again, and today, as you can see on screen, we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers. So let's start at the logical logical point of last year's off season uh, and pre draft build up and all the all the talk and stuff. And we were split on one pick that was going to happen, <laughs> but um, talk about how you felt going into last off season before you before the draft and everything like that. How, how are you feeling about the position that the Chargers are in? So taking it back about 12 months' time. So, yeah, it was time for a new era, wasn't it? Obviously, Philip Rivers was was gone. He'd gone to Indianapolis and we were having a vacancy at quarterback. Obviously, we had Tyra Taylor. And, you know, it was all set up to pick one of the quarterbacks that was there. And it was looking like Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow, as we know, was kind of nailed on. After the season we had in LSU, and we don't need any invitations to talk about that, I guess, with you here. Um, and then it was pretty nailed on that Tua was going to Miami since so they courted him for such a long time, which you know kind of left Justin Herbert being the, the last one remaining, really. And obviously, um, he fell to the Chargers at number six, kind of fell into the lap. There was some talk about uh, trading up you know, in the late stages and things like that. I never really kind of bought into that. We didn't kind of need to do that. There's no kind of necessity to do so. Um, so, yeah, we, we ended up with Justin Herbert. I am going to be completely frank and, and completely honest with you. Obviously, going into the, the college football season that preceded this draft, I had was really, really high on Justin Herbert. I had him above Tua in my rankings. Obviously, at that, at that stage, Joe Burrow was 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 not really on the radar for, for being the number one pick or anything like that. And, you know, I was, you know, as I look back, that I should be really, really happy that obviously they got her. But by that time, I'd kind of worked myself up into this frenzy. You know, I'm a defensive guy, right? So I was kind of thinking that, if they can get Isaiah Simmons and if they compare him with Derwin James and just have kind of two players of that mould, this defence will just have so much flexibility. It'll just be able to kind of take away any weapon available in the in the you know in the in the NFL. However, obviously we ended up with Justin Herbert. I didn't think it was kind of realistic that they'd end up with Simmons, but ended up with Herbert. Wasn't the guy I wanted because I had like to kind of say like backed myself into this corner where I just really wanted this defense to just be insane, um, and uh, it would have been. But obviously we, we can look forward to maybe that when we talk about Brandon Staley a bit a bit later on. But no, I was happy with Herbert. You know, I didn't think he'd start. You know, I didn't think he'd come into the fold as early as he did. Obviously, you know, everyone knows what happened now. But you know, he, he just kind of proved everyone wrong, didn't he? You know, and including in a lot a lot of people, including myself almost. Cause I didn't think he'd start. I was saying. You know, this time 12 months ago or maybe a little bit longer after the draft, I was like, oh, well, you know, Kerber's got the ceiling, you know, but I'm happy for Tyrod to kind of play probably for the full season. And then you can blood Justin Herbert right now, you know, and that's when we can see what we've got after he's kind of worked out the mental aspects of the game, which he kind of did on the fly and had a great rookie season. Yeah, because the only real positive things I had to say about him that he was, in, you know, the talent was ridiculous. The dude has a mm. fucking howitzer for an arm. Like Absolutely. like when you saw him at like the combine and stuff throwing for sixty plus yards flat footed, which is just that's not yeah. normal. That's not like a normal <laughs> level of arm talent. That's like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But like I said to you, I, I thought he was too raw, and I thought he was almost Mitch Trubisky in the regard that he wasn't accurate and he struggled with certain defensive concepts and stuff. But happy to say, he proved me wrong. And <laughs> be honest. Even if Joe hadn't have got hurt, I still think he would have given uh, Joe a good <laughs> run for money for Rookie of the Year, just because of the, the ridiculous 
sort of things he was doing. I think mm. they were both like they're both fairly level in terms of the, the, their game up until Joe got hurt. Just Justin was making some more impressive plays. We'll, we'll yeah. say that with his feet and stuff because he's ridiculously athletic. I didn't think he he didn't show that that much at Oregon. Like he would he wasn't run, allowed. Run. He just wasn't allowed at all. Like Marcus Arroyo, obviously in his his final season. Oregon just didn't take the training wheels off. And, you know, he went through uh, four staffs, three offensive coordinators. So, yeah, it was difficult for him to kind of come come back. I think got those numbers just thrown around, actually. Three staffs, four offensive coordinators. But, um, yeah, he just wasn't allowed to showcase what he what he was allowed to in, in Los Angeles. And we know that, you know, we'll get on to Anthony Lynn and things like that. <laughs> it wasn't exactly, you know, a Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay kind of really... Uh, pushing the boundaries of offensive football kind of offense, and he still kind of flourished. So, you know, hopefully we'll see more of that this year. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of good because Anthony Lynn was never considered like one of these exciting offensive guys and Justin no. Herbert still did amazing in, in the scheme. Well, look at, look at, you know, how many how many games did he start? Almost all of them, I think. Uh, well, it was, was, yeah, 15, wasn't it? 15, just the uh, first week that he didn't start. And the game that impressed me most was actually the, his first start was against Kansas City because he looked better than Patrick Mahomes that game. That was absolutely <laughs> disgusting. But we look at the stats here, 4,300 yards, like a completion percentage, which I never thought he would hit <laughs> any time in his career, just given what we'd seen at Oregon. 31 touchdowns, shattering right. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's rookie record. And only 10 picks. That 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 is what most uh, veteran quarterbacks would consider a good year. Mm. And then, obviously, you know, offensive rookie of the year, which... We had this debate, and uh, me and Liam went over it. And the only reason I said I gave it to Justin Jefferson is because he beat Randy <laughs> Moss's records. Uh, Justin Herbert beat Baker Mayfield's, but it, it's still <laughs> that's you think I'm sure came into it a little bit as well. Sean was not happy about that when I said that, but, um, but yeah, it, it was um, it was nonetheless I think well deserved award mm. and super. Uh, it's just ex he was exciting to watch. But tell me how you felt when you found out moments before the Kansas City game that he was going to be starting. Were you, were you apprehensive, maybe not thinking he was ready? Or were you excited to just see this guy already? Well, I mean, the, the Chargers fans had pretty much the same reaction that Justin did by the sounds of things. It was kind of like, oh, okay, so Justin's under center, or you know, he's in shock, I think, for the first play. So it's like, okay, what, what, what are we doing? So, you, you know, your first reaction as someone who you know, he's kind of wanting to see what kind of plays were in, what sort of formations were in, things like that. Maybe trying to, like, think about what play, you know, in that split second, you know, the, the, the few seconds before the actual snap goes. I'm looking around for Tyrod. I'm thinking, is Tyrod, like, split out wide? Is Tyrod, like, somewhere else? I couldn't locate him. So I was a bit like, okay, maybe they're just going to try and run sort of trick play or something, you know, something, you know, we're trying to start catch them off guard sort of thing. Obviously, then it comes out that, you know, Justin carries on, plays the first series and scores a touchdown or, you know, we, we score a touchdown. In, in the first series. So you're thinking, okay, this is this is great. Um, and then obviously the news comes out and things like that. So you're just like, okay, well, let's just see what happens. You know, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm a positive sort of thinker when it comes to bringing new players, bringing young players in particular. You know, probably one of the things why, you know, was maybe so close to the draft in college football is I always think about the best things. I'm thinking about what these guys can do rather than what they can't do. So I'm thinking, you know, let's just see how it goes. You know, we're in a situation here where we don't expect to beat Kansas City at home in the second game of the season. You know, especially when you we, we're in a situation where we, we beat the Bengals in the first week, but only because Randy Bullock missed a chip shot field goal. Fat goal. Randy! So, you know, you, you're in a situation where, you know, you've had a bit of a shaky start to the season. You've got Kansas City, which is almost like a little free hit at the beginning of the season. And then, you know, you are kind of are waiting for the next few weeks afterwards and also throughout that game for the play to drop off and something to happen or something to kind of go wrong or a pick or... Just like a bit of a rookie play, you know, where he just does something a bit silly and it kind of goes from there. But, you know, you've got Herbert playing well. Herbert, like you say, matching Patrick Mahomes, stride for stride almost. And also, I can't remember what Kansas City player it was, but running some guy over and then knocking him out. Do you know what I mean? On the on the play and you think, my God, this guy's like come to play. He's here. He's enjoying himself. Bad looks of things. And, you know, we're hanging with Kansas City in the second game of the season. So you are thinking like positive at that stage. And then, you know, you like I said before, you're going through the next few weeks thinking well, we're kind of waiting for this to kind of fall down and fall off, but it's not, and it's brilliant, you know what I mean? And by the end of the season, or by the middle part, throws of the season, so obviously, you know, we've won the last four games. He was kind of the only reason that he switched on on Sunday. Uh, I mean, 
he was kind of a bright spot on. Mm. Sorry, Saley, but a bit bit of a fucking dismal team, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uniforms were great, <laughs> but it, it, it just seemed like aesthetic. it's always there. <laughs> it just felt like you were underperforming given the talent that you had on the field. Justin Herbert mm. was playing so well consistently it, it didn't correlate to me how you weren't getting more wins i was like this doesn't track you don't have a quarterback doing this well and the, the team not eking out wins but i think i mean we're gonna have to talk about it probably special teams really if i'm gonna be honest special teams and coaching decisions man that, that was where the, the the sort of basis of this this season kind of falling down was if i'm gonna be perfectly honest with you uh, i mean look i don't want to bring it up but it's three guys on screen in a certain uniform here <laughs> and obviously, Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterbacks. But Hubbard didn't play terribly. I mean, it was arguably hmm. his worst game of the season. But yeah, it's the really worst game. Special teams let you down in a big way, and I think Brandon Staley is is smart enough to to maybe uh, invest in that some more. But before we get to him, let's talk about former coach hmm. Anthony Lynn. Barely a winning record. But still a winning record. But if you look at the one-score games, it's mm. a lot of one-score games that you you know you guys played. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Do you, do you feel like hit to me? It never seemed like he was aggressive enough on offense to to really. Oh, I don't know. I just felt like he he was trying to emulate these great defensive coaches that we see, and thought the offense would just sort of run itself without giving it enough for for like obviously he got Justin Herbert and you had some weapons like Hunter Henry and you've got great receivers like Keenan Allen and stuff mm. but the, the play call on offense just felt almost lackadaisical like you, you guys had no urgency there like the yeah. Kansas City game was a, a prime example you could have won that game yeah one 100% you could have won that game and it just seemed seemed like there was no urgency it were you kind of happy to see him gone, despite the fact that he'd been with you guys for the past three years? Were you kind of happy to see him gone after this season? Yeah, by, by the end of it, it had really gone stale. So let me take you through kind of the whole tenure of Anthony Lynn as we've got it here from 2017 onwards. So first year comes in, loses four games to start out the season, and you're thinking, wow, this, you know, what's going on? This new head coach not getting off to the greatest start. And, you know, like you said, mentioned the one-score games were the kind of that was what the the rain was all around, really. And it was all about those those one score games and often coming out on the wrong end of them. You know, so you you start off really bad, manages to to pull the Chargers to a nine and seven record. So you're getting a winning season in your first season. So you're thinking, okay, maybe you know after a bad start, you know you've got some shoots of recovery, and then you know you've seen some growth there as well. So looking quite promising. Anthony is also a great guy as well, great leader. Um, so you're kind of buying into him with that. You, know, you can't say too much about him as a, as a person. You know, he seems like a great leader of men and things like that. Next season, obviously, we'll go into the playoffs, um, come up short against your Patriots again after a great performance against the Ravens. So, you know, middle season, you're thinking, okay, we've won, I think, 12 games. I think it was, I think it was 12 and four to finish out the season. So you're thinking, you know, there's something here. You know, we finished the previous season strong. We've come in since next season. We've got 12 wins on the board and we're, we're, we're you know, we've won a playoff game, which we haven't done for many, many years. Before that, uh, it was since Mike McCoy's here and beat the Bengals. Um, coming into the next year, you know, last year, again, kind of just coming out the, the wrong side of, of shorthanded wins and, and, and one-score games as well. And you're just thinking those those problems from the first year are just rearing in, head, rearing in the heads again. So it's just getting really disappointing. Plus, you obviously fire Shane, uh, uh, Ken Wisenhunt, sorry, and replace him with Shane Sykin, excuse me. And then you've got the offensive play calling. Like you say, it's not there. Anthony Lynn's having a little bit of a hand in it. You think that Steichen, sometimes his play calling is great. Sometimes it's not. Anthony Lynn then comes in. It gets a little bit muddled. Like the muddies, the mortars get muddied a little bit. And like you say, he's trying to have his fingers in too many pies because by that time, the special teams is absolutely falling apart. And then he's trying to like call special teams plays, as we've noticed you know, against the Patriots and against other teams. That's not going too well either. So I think he just bit off too much that he could chew, to be honest with you. And he tried to do too much. And he kind of, again, it wasn't concise and clear enough. And the lines of communication just weren't good enough. And it just seemed that the Chargers were winning games at the end of the year 
in spite of him, not because of him, and because of Herbert's play and the defence kind of stepped up a little bit more. So, yeah, by the end of it, it was kind of time for a change. I think he'd kind of got a bit more sort of grouchy in his interviews and stuff like that, and the, you kind of see that he was kind of ready to move on, I think, as well, although he wouldn't say that publicly. But, yeah, it was definitely time to move on, I think, and it, it did have its highs, don't get me wrong. The rain had definitely had its highs. You know, that Baltimore game, I often watch it, you know, just for something to do sometimes because that was a great defensive performance against Lamar Jackson when he was at the kind of peak of his powers. But yeah, by the end of last year, he was ready to go for sure. Yeah, I, I was going to say because your roster is insane. Let's, let's be real. you got a really good roster. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what Brandon Staley is going to take advantage of. And obviously the, there's, there's a notable name on here in Vic Fangio, uh, Matt Nagy, John Fox. But the one I want to focus on is Sean McVay. Because obviously we've talked about how, you know, it, look, he, his recent roles are defensive. But mm -hmm. I've said it seems like any guy who's even come within five, five feet of Sean McVay or had lunch with him or once spotted him at Walmart seems to get a job uh, in mm -hmm. the NFL now. But do you think that offensive philosophy he could have potentially learned from them is actually going to unlock a potential to your offense that you've you've honestly been missing since probably Anthony Lynn came in? I know mm. uh, Rivers is a great quarterback when you had him, but he he wasn't exactly athletic. You know, yeah. the most prolific athletic thing is he he's done in his life is have nine kids. So. <laughs> He's never been a guy who's just going to tuck it and run, but Justin Herbert can do that. We saw with some of the hits he laid on other people, the dude's got, you know, a massive penis and he's ready to run people over. Mm. Um, but do you think Brandon Staley, you know, working with guys like Sean McVay is going to just unlock a new realm of possibilities for the weapons you've got on this offense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people might know this, but some people might not. So I'll just kind of go ahead and say it. Brandon Staley was actually a college quarterback. And he didn't really start to think about defense until he started to get into the NFL. You know, as we've got on the screen here, we've got all these previous roles in Chicago, Denver, and uh, in LA with our uh, landlords, the Rams. They're all defensive roles. And he kind of looks at defense through an offensive scope. So he kind of looks at defense to say, like, what can, how can I kind of beat the offense in this sense? Because he's got a great understanding of both sides of the ball. The other advantage that Brandon Staley's got is kind of what I was saying about Anthony Lynn, where he tried to take on too much. Brandon Staley's going to take everyone's opinions and he's going to kind of take them on board and see if he can make you know the football team better through that. You know, he's also going to take on board the previous coaches as you've got. You've got some great coaches on the slide here as well. Vic Fangio, obviously, you know, a, a defensive genius. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. You know, so you've got both sides of the ball covered here in Brandon Staley's previous roles and the guys that he's worked with and taken influence from. So, yeah, 100%. I feel like he's a really rounded, well, uh, a well-rounded coach who's going to, like say, take everyone's ideas on board and make the football team better. Um, like you say, you can't not absorb information from these guys because they are right at the peak of the game. And also, to add to that, he's also said that he's learned a lot from the players that he has coached as well, such as like Aaron Donald, uh, Von Miller, you know, Jalen Ramsey. These defensive players, he says that he's actually learned more from them than he's actually taught them as a coach, which I think shows how humble he is and shows like how much of a, a guy he is that he's willing to kind of learn and kind of be that guy who can absorb information as well as give it out, which can only bode well for the Chargers with their kind of young roster. And like you say, with the players that they've got, because they've got some incredible players as well. So hopefully it's about harnessing that and Brandon Staley being kind of an upgrade at co the, the coaching level and, and going from there and hoping for a better season. Yeah, and obviously he was with the Rams last year who had one of... He was the defensive coordinator for, honestly, one of the best defences in the NFL, if not the best. I know he had an abundance of weapons with guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but it you still need a guy to make them go. Without direction, they're going to be terrible. Yeah. We've seen a lot of teams that are stacked from top to bottom <clears> with <throat> talent, like the Cardinals, but without the proper coaching, they're going to consistently underachieve. Look, pe people people probably get annoyed with the amount I hate on Cliff Kingsbury, but the guy is a bag of shit. When you've got a roster with guys like DeAndre Hopkins, uh, an incredible talent in Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, you've got guys like Isaiah Simmons on the defense, Patrick, well, not anymore, but Patrick Peterson, <laughs> And, and guys like that, and you consistently underperform. It just shows how how needed coaching is. Uh, but yeah, Brandon Staley is an Ohio man, so clearly very intelligent and handsome. This this state <laughs> is known for it, apparently. I'm not even born here, so I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's exciting to look forward as a Chargers fan. It's kind of like a new era. Um, mm -hmm. But 
but before we like fully get on to next season uh, and your hopes for next season, uh, I think this has gone the wrong way here. It's not in and out because I don't remember Hunter Henry joining your team <laughs> this year. He has actually gone to the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Um, mm. how, have you, how have you felt about the free agency so far? I, I mean, there's only six notable transactions here, but how, how do you feel about these? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it in the past personally, and also we've mentioned it on our podcast a few times, or you have at least. Yeah, I was upset that Hunter Henry was allowed to get out of the building. You know, he's a player that um, made the offence better. He was an offensive weapon for us, and we haven't really replaced that in Jared Cook, because Jared Cook's a decent tight end. You know, he's coming to the end of his career. Hunter Henry's in the prime of his career, and he's also a better blocker and a better all-round weapon and player than, than Jared Cook is. So, yeah, that one stung a little bit. You know, it's it was kind of always on the cards because we know that Bill Belichick's always been a, a big fan of Hunt Henry as well. You know, there's that clip that goes around with, with Bill kind of going up to him at the end of the game and whispering something in his ear. So you wonder if he's, you know, been kind of caught in him um, in some way or shape or form for the, for quite a while. Otherwise than that, That's you know, tampering. We, well, you know, Bill's been known to do some worse things. So you know, I'm sure he can get away with that in some way. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, the other guys that you've got in here, Denzel Perry and Rayshon Jenkins, I wasn't too displeased to see those two guys go. Not been a big fan of those two guys. I know that I'll be kind of out on the limb maybe, and maybe that's a little bit unpopular to say that amongst Chargers fans. But I think we can do better than those two guys. And I think there's better players on the roster in the linebacking room for sure than Denzel Perryman. And I think Rayshon Jenkins is an easy replaceable player. So in terms of the, the out we've not got it around. We like to say we've got the wrong around here. So in terms of the outs, we, we're fine. You know, Hunter Henry's yeah, you know, a below, but again, it's a tight end. You know, you can get them. It's not a huge problem. Jared Cook will be a bit of a layover, and then we can get someone maybe next year in the draft or something like that, and we can source a more long-term solution. Um, in terms of the ins, obviously, Corey Lindsay is the headline act. You know, he's absolutely going to be critical to this offensive line and kind of breeding that new culture that we're going to have on the offensive line with this new group that we're constructing. Because only Brian Balaga is going to be the, the the only starter that started last year. Although I guess starter in Brian Balaga's case, considering he's injured so often, is a bit of a loose term. You know, we brought in Odia Boucher, uh, who we've not got on there, and also um, you know we've got in Matt Filer, who we do. So I think we've got our guards sort of spot sorted. We've got Corey Lindsay to be the pivot. Brian Balaga's there. We're just waiting to complete that unit in the draft. Uh, hopefully with the 13th pick. But yeah, generally free agency, I mean, the Chargers are never kind of big spenders. They're not like a team that goes out and spends a heck of a lot of money. Tom Tesco is always pretty frugal. He always gets a great deal. And I think he continued to do that. And he continued to to be great in free agency, which he, which he generally is without having to be the headliner and without kind of going in. And, you know, in that first wave of free agency where everyone overspends, he doesn't do that. Corey Lindsay was in this kind of second wave. He gets the best center on the market. I didn't think he would do that. I didn't think he would be like him. I thought he'd go out and get someone like David Andrews, if I'm going to be completely honest. That was my kind of one that I targeted, that kind of second tier almost of, of that sort of position, although he's still a great player. Um, and, yeah, we, we're kind of setting ourselves up for the draft now, not backing ourselves into any corners because we've also got Ryan Smith from Tampa Bay, who's going to be a great special team, hopefully. Um, won't be, you know, be filling out the end of the, the, the depth chart on the cornerback position. But, yeah, pretty happy with, with the draft uh, – sorry, with free agency and leads into the draft quite nicely. How excited are you to have probably one of my favourite players come back in, in Doe and James because he missed last season with a, a knee injury. Are you excited to have him back? Because I, I felt like you missed him a lot. Your secondary was getting exposed constantly. Yeah. And he was kind of the anchor of that. It, are, you, are you excited to just see him back on the field and see how he can perform? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there is no... It's not a big coincidence that the last time the Chargers made the playoff, Derwin James played most of the season. And the two seasons since that, he's not been on the field. You know, We've not made the playoff. So yeah, absolutely. You know, he we 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 saw it on was it hard knocks that we were on last year. We saw it on a hard knocks where he was kind of covering. We obviously saw the injury as well, which was was not great. But he seems to be kind of fit and, and firing. You know, he seems ready. Obviously, he's had a long time to come back. He's had you know a year or so to come back to that from, from that injury. And you know, he's he's a leader on our our defense. He's a leader on our team. And you can see it if anyone has kind of seen Brandon Staley talk in the past couple of months since he's been Chargers head coach. When he talks about Derwin James, his eyes absolutely light up. So you've got to say that Derwin James is going to be a player that he's going to be kind of a main feature in this defense and a player that, you know, Brandon said he talks about defensive backs and he kind of talks about edge guys, you know, and he talks about how he can make 
doing James and Joey Bosa. Here's Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. We know that they play slightly different positions. Obviously, Donald's on the inside, Jalen Ramsey's a corner. But he's got a defensive back and a defensive lineman that he can really kind of base his defense around. So really, really excited to see Durban back. Really excited to see what the defense can do because... Like, I do think that unit is going to be the leader of this team, and that's saying a lot because obviously we know there's a lot of offensive talent on this roster as well. Are you excited for the draft? Because, well, I know, I know you are excited. <laughs> You're asking me. <laughs> um, but are you excited now that there's reports that um, Justin Herbert is, is reportedly asking for you guys to go after Panay Suol? Yeah, this has come out, hasn't it, over the past, like, 28, 48 hours. I mean... Whether that is, is is going to be able to be even the case, I don't know, because the Bengals might take him. But, I mean, we, we kind of got together, didn't we, a few weeks ago, a couple of weekends ago, when we did the Draft Punks um, Mega Mop Draft. And I was drafting for the charge, and I made the exact trade that's been talked about. We're going up, trading with the Lions, and going up to number seven and getting Penai as well. If he's there, I think Tom Tesco should, should definitely consider it. It's what I said when we did the Draft Punks podcast. And, you know... Whether it's needed, I don't know, because, you know, you've got great tackles in this class. And I also think there's an outside chance they could take a cornerback at number 13 as well. But, you know, I could not speak highly enough of Penn Isol. He's my second player in this draft after Trevor Lawrence. I've graded him incredibly highly. So I just feel like, yeah, it would be an absolute dream scenario. The problem is, obviously, what you're giving up to get up there. It's not ideal to be able to give up draft picks, although... For once, it, it seems like the first time ever the Chargers have actually got quite a lot of draft picks. We've got nine draft picks because we traded Des for King, and also we've got that comp pick from Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis. So we do have a little bit more ammo to play with than usual. Whether it's it's, it's advisable to kind of go up and get a player when you can probably get a decent enough player at 13, you know, can you fill out the rest of your roster? Are you in a position where it's kind of go time right now? Which I guess it is with, with Justin Herbert being on this rookie deal. It's kind of time to look at win the Super Bowl with that um, you know, rookie deal for your quarterback. So there's foot in both camps, really. I wouldn't be disappointed to say to see Penas will come in, of course not. But what I would be disappointed if they kind of mortgage the whole draft just to get him when there's you know there's depth issues and there's other problems to solve for this team. So I wouldn't like them to kind of mortgage the whole draft just for one guy. I'd be quite happy to take another offensive tackle. Obviously, I've been big on Christian Darasaw. If they took him at 13 and then they were able to fill out the rest of their problems and the rest of their spots on the roster, then I'd probably be more happy with that. And I say that with a little bit of trepidation in my voice, obviously, because it's Penn High School. Um, but yeah, I'd be happy to kind of see that the Chargers are in a better position and after the draft than they were before it, whether that comes with Penn High School at seven or six or wherever it is or, you know, wherever, or whether that comes by filling it out, just taking the picks that we've got and taking good players. Yeah, well, we know my thoughts on Penaisal, ever the contrarian that I am. <laughs> uh, but I know you were so enamoured with him, so I, I, I just was wondering if you'd have seen those reports and if you were on mm. board with it. Because, like I said, you sort of had the same thinking when we did that mega mock. Went up, go get him. It would be great for Justin Herbert. There's already that familiarity there, so he sort of knows, you know. Yeah. Um, so would be able to adjust to his blocking adjustments and stuff like that probably mm. a little bit quicker what? i do think maybe he's a bit raw mm. but, uh, i think he won't be great for the first half of a season but i think once he gets that refinement he's going to be a top level lineman no doubt what i will say is the kind of thinking that i had when we did that podcast a few weeks ago was it wasn't premeditated so it was like okay so this situation is occurring there's a chance obviously once he gets past atlanta we know the bengals aren't going to take a quarterback. We know that the Miami Dolphins aren't going to take a quarterback. So there's going to be other teams targeting that seventh position for a quarterback. So you've got to kind of maybe get into a bit of a bidding war with them, with, with the Lions. So whether the price gets paid and pushed up a little bit too much remains to be seen. Depends on the aggressiveness of the teams and you know the bidding war that Detroit probably um, try to, to, to manufacture out of that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it really depends on the situation. It's not something that I'd, I'm glad we haven't done it now, let's say that. So, you know, pre-draft and things like that. I'm much happier to kind of see how it unfolds and, and go from there on, on draft night. And, you know, if they do it, like I say, as long as the price is right, then, yeah, happy days. If not, then I'm happy as well. Yeah, I, I just think it would be a good get. Uh, uh, mm. Particularly, you're Certainly. not a team that's, uh, like I said, you're not hurting for talent, but a, a guy that you don't need to produce day one, just, just in my opinion, I'm saying that I don't think 
like I think he's insanely talented, and I think he'll be one of the best linemen in this draft if he gets the right development. Mm. But I feel I just feel like a guy like Rashawn Slater or whatever is better day one because they they are more experienced. We've seen what they've done against NFL sort of guys like uh, Rashawn Slater fucking manhandled Chase Young, and he's mm-hmm. probably one of the best young edge rushers in the league right now. So, uh, sure. and on that Ohio State defense, they bring so much pressure. But I think Saul will be great at the Chargers because you have time to you know let let him develop. You're not going to maybe push him, and you have good offensive line coaches. Let me um, let me just say this on though about Rashawn Slater, and I'll kind of chuck in Elijah Vera Tucker into this. Brandon Staley's talked a lot about length on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm not someone who buys into this sort of thing with people having arms of a certain length that are millimeters short of the the perceived threshold. But Brandon Staley obviously does, which I think does rule out uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and rules out Rashawn Slater. So I think what we're looking at is either trade up Penn Isol, or we're looking at Christian Darrisor at thirteen. Well, that, that's the. It's funny you say that actually, because the arm length came into play with two guys that I was very wrong about, and that's Nick and Joey Bosa. Um, <laughs> I didn't think their arm length. I thought any time they faced a rangy tackle, it would be a real big problem. But you know, Joey especially has that elite first step and that big that big spring he has to beat guys, despite having T Rex arms. Um, but. You know what? What are your expectations for next next season? Not not maybe in terms of record, but how how mm. the team's gonna. You know, you don't have to give me a number or whatever, but seventeen game season stuff. How how are you sort of expecting you guys to stack up against other teams in the AFC? Obviously, your division is mm-hmm. it's pretty much you in Kansas City at this point. The Denver is just fucked. <laughs> they, they don't matter anymore. Um, but how, how do you feel like you're going to stack up against your guys in division, the guys in the AFC, and then the guys you're actually playing? Because I'm guessing you've seen your schedule now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the schedule is pretty difficult. So that kind of tempers expectations straight away. You know, you're looking maybe at the end of last season, you're thinking, oh, brilliant, we've got the, the NFC least. So that's that, that looks good. But then you look at it now and you think, well, Washington actually looked pretty decent. Dak will be back for the Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they've got a little bit of draft capital to be able to restock and you know, refuel. Uh, less said about the Giants, better. You know, I think we'll probably take care of them quite easily. Um, you know, <laughs> it's one of those where it's, it's like, yeah, you see, looking at the schedule, it looks pretty difficult. So you've got to, like, say, temper expectations accordingly. Then you've got Kansas City in the division. We know we can hang with them, but they are the class of the division. There's, I think there's no two ways about that. Maybe this time next year we can kind of look at that and maybe we can be looking to challenge them. Like you say, you'd be kind of hoping that, you know, the Raiders just don't know what they're doing. I don't think they ever really have a massive you know, sort of master plan with John Gruden there. He just kind of does things on a whim by the looks of things. Uh, and they should be two games that we should be able to take care of. Denver, you know, they're still up in the air, what they do about quarterback. So, you know, in the division, yeah, we'll probably look shooting for second. Um, the rest of the AFC, I think, you know, if we can sort of make something of ourselves, especially if we can have this dominant defense that Brandon say they should be able to get there, you know, we could be a problem for teams and that that's something that we should be looking for. It's something that we should be looking to do. I think with the seventh playoff spot now as well, I feel like we can kind of shoot for that. So what we're looking at, maybe like a 10-7 and record, perhaps something like that. I don't know if we're going to get that, but maybe that's what we should be shooting for to be able to be kind of cemented into that sixth, seventh spot. And then, like I say, if you've got a dominant defense in the playoffs, then, you know, any given Sunday kind of thing, isn't it? I know it's an old cliche, but it certainly rings true. And, uh, yeah, so I'd I'd back us to kind of beat anyone on a a one-to-one basis. Because, like I say, if you can hang with Kansas City, then... You know, and if you're building a defense that can be the antidote to their kind of NASCAR basketball shooting, you know, sort of um, gun state warriors kind of things. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You, you, then you can hang with them, can't you? You know, we know we're not exactly tepid on offense ourselves. So, yeah, if you're building a team to beat Kansas City, then you're almost building a team to beat the whole of the league. So that's kind of what we do. We're in a good position to do that straight away. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sort of bet on us to get 10 and 7, but that should be kind of the upper limit of kind of maybe what we're looking for. But do you know what I'm looking for? Minimum sort of expectations is just to look a lot better as a team, just to kind of maybe go use this first year as maybe like the first year of Anthony, as I mentioned before, get a positive record, go into next year looking better, going into the draft, and maybe you know you have a better idea of what you're going to do before you attack the last three years of Justin Herbert's rookie deal, and then you can maybe be shooting for a Super Bowl. But maybe see this this really is a stepping stone. I think maybe we've got temper expectations, although the roster is amazing. Um, you know, on paper, but we say that every every year with the Chargers, I feel, and it kind of gets a bit boring at, the, at this point. So, so playoff window, two, three years, you reckon? Do you like 
I mean, like I say, I, I consistently. Think, like I say, I think we can make the playoffs this year if everything kind of falls right, and I think we can you know, make the 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 sixth, seventh, maybe even the fifth spot, something like that. I don't know, but it's one of those things where because you know that Kansas City is in the division, it's difficult to kind of say, yeah, we'll be shooting for the number one, number two seed, which obviously makes your playoff journey much more difficult, especially now with the with the the extra teams in there and things like that. So. Um, but yeah, like I say, maybe if we can see this as a stepping stone and then consistently be looking at, like, we're actually a really good team now with a really young core and we can actually shoot for the playoffs consistently with potentially one of the best quarterbacks in the league and, you know, an exposed offense and also a defensive mastermind who can kind of win any game on, you know, a given week sort of thing. And then we become a really dangerous playoff team that you hopefully kind of been there consistently and then you go from there. But yeah, temper expectations this year. If we can get a positive record, I'd be happy. If we make the seventh playoff spot, then even better. Well, I, I'm certainly excited to see you match up against Kansas City, especially given, you know, how, how your first game with them went last season. It was mm-hmm. so close with clearly what was incompetent coaching. So it'd be good to see what Brandon Staley can sort of. But, you know, those guys might be on the warpath after getting absolutely mollywopped in the Super Bowl. So you never know. And also they've signed one of the best uh, offensive linemen in the league in a uh, former Patriot, Joe Tooney. Uh, so they're going to have help there now. But um you know, everyone who's seen the show, the thing I talk about a lot is how did you become a Chargers fan? Because I speak to Sean and it's sort of like that British misery loves company mentality of <laughs> everyone loves the underdogs and you got guys who are Steelers fans just because they're an iconic team. And even when I had Kieran on here to talk about the Green Bay Packers, he just liked the colour green because he's Irish. So so he went that way. But, but how did you sort of become a Chargers fan? How did you become introduced to the team? Hmm. So I would guess it was just taking it back to when I was a little bit younger, when I was about 16, 17. I was just like bored on a Sunday evening. I had you know TV on in my room. I was just flicking through the sports channels. There was nothing taking my fancy. And I just came across football and it was almost like complete chance almost. And I just kind of got into it from there. Didn't really have a team per se for the first year or so. Um, but then obviously kind of just, you know, you build up like a bit of an affinity for certain players and things like that, or certain players just kind of excite you. And the first player that really caught my eye was Ladanian Tomlinson, obviously playing for the Chargers. Then you also had the the Philip Rivers factor as well. He was kind of this young upstart quarterback who kind of established himself, obviously after starting after Drew Brees had been kind of traded away. And you just think, well, you know, we've got that kind of young quarterback who can get behind this player, this running back who, you know, running back is kind of this, position isn't it where it's quite easy to understand you get the ball you can run forward and you know it's kind of easy you don't need to know a great deal about football to look at a running back and say he's quite good and I quite like him and I guess that was what it was when I you know kind of had this rudimentary understanding of football and still kind of figuring my way out when I was like like say 16 17 years old so yeah just kind of Ladanian Tomlinson obviously just stuck with that and that's he's the reason why I became a Chargers fan really also last thing was obviously blue white and yellow being a Legion United fan kind of the same colors not exactly but you know pretty similar color palette so kind of, again, kind of just sealed the deal for us, really. I was about to say, Leeds and Chargers, that really is a misery <laughs> love company sort of situation like, there. Hopefully hopefully looking up on both scores at the moment, though. I was going to say, I, I don't remember. My favourite moment watching Leeds United was when Mark Viduka banged an absolute screamer to stop Chelsea winning the league in about 2005, I think. I was only young. I mean, I'm nearly 30 now, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, that, you know, Leeds have always been a fun team and they've had a bit of hardship over the years, kind of like the yeah, Chargers for sure. in that respect. How did you yeah. feel when they moved out of San Diego to Los Angeles? I guess not being from that area, it wasn't sort of uh, mm. it hit as close to home for you, but did you still, did it did it feel weird to you that they, they moved cities? No, not really, because, you know, I uh, to be fair, before I got into football, I was actually an NBA fan. So you've seen like the Seattle Supersonics move out of like Seattle and things like that. You're kind of familiar with the franchise system and how teams can move and stuff like that. Obviously, after digging a little bit into the, the, the sort of history of the league, you kind of realise how much it happens. You know, it doesn't happen so often anymore, but in the early you know, parts of the league, it was always happening. So, you know, it's not something that you kind of, you know, familiar with as a UK fan, I guess, but it's not something that you kind of have to embrace that kind of culture. Don't you? And you think, well, if it's sort of the things that they do over there, then it's the sort of things that they do. It's not... Kind of something for me to get involved in um you know to me like you say i wasn't not not from california not from san diego so it doesn't really matter it doesn't really hurt me per se obviously seeing Chargers fans that i followed on twitter and things like that then obviously they were all up in arms and you still see you know angry san diegans who are, you know in the comments every time Chargers 
tweet anything. It can literally be anything. You know, this would be better in San Diego, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really matter. You know, it, at the end of the day, to me, it was still the same players. It was still the same team. The thing that would have maybe tipped me over the edge a little bit more was if they changed, like, the name and the colours and things like that. Um, I know the, the ownership's kind of not a great thing in, in the, you know, in, in LA now or it wasn't in San Diego. And the way it would kind of, the, the way that the divorce happened from San Diego, let's say, was a messy one. But to me, obviously, I wasn't involved. It's not my tax dollars, for example, that are going towards not going for the new stadium in San Diego or anything like that. So it doesn't, it really, it really didn't matter too much for me. It was the same team, it was the same logo, it was the same colours. And, you know, it just carried on from normal. But yeah, I can see how it hurt a lot of people for sure. And they brought back the powder blue. Mm. That that was that was a big move. This this off season was a big move for uniforms. I think Bucks and Browns smashed it, but also the Chargers, probably the prettiest uniforms in the league now. I know this is just a, a, a sort of it's still on topic, but not not something that everyone talks about. Uniforms do make a big difference. Me and Sean actually spoke about this when we did the Browns episode. That like classic look. Mm. taking the Browns back from looking like an arena team and playing like an arena team to, to the old school Browns that the team yeah. that they kind of missed when the, the Ravens took off uh, and stole that stuff. Well, pardon the pun. The Ravens stole their <laughs> franchise basically. Um, was it, was it nice to see that they are going back to the older sort of colors? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I liked the the old uniforms, the old uniforms, the old powder blue was you know consistently voted one of the best uniforms you know in the league, if not the best. But these just kind of taking it to a new stratosphere, didn't they? You know, the, all four uniforms are probably right up there in the top ten of the league. And I know we've been talking about it over the past week or so with the numbers. We like the aesthetics, right? You know, we know that we you know, need to look good to play, good sort of thing. So, yeah, no, it was fantastic. And you know what? It's part of a, a kind of wider, grander plan that the Chargers have to kind of engage new fans, younger fans around Los Angeles, around California, around the world as well, obviously. So, you know, it goes together with things like the Chargers, you know, social media team, which is kind of like they've always got a creative thing up their sleeve. They've always got something on Instagram or, or Twitter or wherever going on just to make us laugh or just to kind of engage. And just having new uniforms is kind of important for the Chargers because obviously we know that we almost play second fiddle in the stadium. Obviously, you know, to the Rams, like I said before, I kind of joked before saying that they're our landlords, which you know isn't it really is a joke. Shaped like their logo, it would their old logo, yeah, exactly, which is kind of strange, isn't it? Um, but yeah, no, it, it's just there to, as a wider, like I say, scheme, wider master plan of kind of engaging people and drumming up fans and things like that. Because you know, one thing that kind of does hurt a little bit, you know, even though not from there and things like that, is you know seeing. Uh, the stub hub as it was or whatever you want to call it dignity sports health arena or whatever just full of other fans and as much as that was true the media kind of took off with that and ran it wasn't actually as bad as you would actually believe a lot of the times a lot of the time on charges twitter you'd actually see the other angle where people were actually full of you know powder blue jerseys but hopefully we're not going to see that in sofi stadium and hopefully you know as time goes on as the charges get more established in la they will become just as well supported as the Rams, if not better, because it's a big market, isn't it? Lots of teams, you know, a couple of NBA teams, a couple of football teams, a couple of soccer teams, uh, a couple of hockey teams, I believe. So, you know, it's not my sport, a couple of baseball teams, probably. The LA crowd have only got so much money to spend on sports. So, hopefully, they're going to be spending it the way the Chargers because they've engaged these people and, like, say, look good and kind of people just go towards the aesthetic look. Yeah, I was going to say, because nobody wants to wear those Rams away uniforms. Man, they're uh, horrible, You see they? them on TV, it was so, it was so weird, because they were obviously, like, off-white, but, like, they were more off-putting white. It was, like, a really who, weird... Who has, who has that colour? Just have white, right? I thought my TV was broken. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm legitimately not joking. I was, like, messing with the white balance and stuff, because it looked so gross on... Give you a little flex with the like, you know, like nice 8K TV or whatever, but it just looked off and it looked it looked gross. But one thing we did touch on, uh, how do you ever have like a what if moment? Like what if Drew Brees stayed? Uh, not really, because as I said before, I kind of got into the charges after Brees had left. I think it was like River's second season, if I remember right, as as the as the starter. So, no, not really. And then I'm kind of not really a great history guy. I'm very much a kind of here and now and in the future. You know, I'm looking at the draft. I'm looking at who can make my team better and things like that. I'm not really looking too much, apart from when I'm trying to understand the, the, the franchise and things like that and kind of, you know, find my way in, in my, you know, how they find my heart almost. 
Um, but no, not really. Is a, is a kind of boring answer for that one. Sorry if that's not great for the pod. But, but no, not not particularly. No, no, no. I just I just thought it's it's worth asking because I know some fans, even if they got into it later, they're like, "We've traded away great players," or "What if that trade had gone down?" or "What if we had drafted that?" Like, like what if Eli mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. not been a fucking baby and thrown a bitch fit <laughs> on draft night? And, and decided that he would go to San Diego despite the smaller media market. But, but do you know what, right? As a Chargers fan, and Justin Herbert has made us kind of realise, or has made me realise this anyway, I'm looking at people like Sean, who are obviously Browns fans, and, and teams of, you know, fans of other teams, should I say, is to go from Drew Brees to Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert. That's rare, you know? That's not something that happens to everyone. So, you know, I obviously love Philip Rivers, you know, I... I grew up watching him, obviously, as a Chargers fan. I say grew up, obviously, I wasn't a kid. But, you know, he's been the Chargers quarterback. And obviously, looking back, obviously, Drew Brees is still in the league. And I can completely respect his game. Been a, a great player on a, a team that I just quite like as the Saints, historically. And the, the, actually, the Chargers and the Saints have been quite close doing joint practices when, you know, pre-COVID times, things like that. You know, and they are from the greatest state in the country. <laughs> you know, I need like that bit as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where... You can't really complain too much, you know. If it had gone from Drew Brees to a lesser quarterback, let's say, not a borderline Hall of Fame guy, maybe you would have had that "what if" moment of, "Oh, why did they do this?" You know, maybe Philip Rivers has fallen on his face or something like that. I don't know. You know, when he was actually ascending and became one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and then to go to it's like, well, we've actually done all right. So maybe it's not the time for what ifs and things like that. But yeah, and and given we've got four future Hall of Famers on the screen below us. Do you think <laughs> Philip Rivers d- belongs in the Hall of Fame? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, he's set a lot of records. A lot of them are from longevity, I would say. Because Most he kids by a starting quarterback. He just doesn't miss games, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where, as a Chargers fan, I should probably say yes straight away, unequivocally so. But it's one of those things, isn't it, where he didn't win a Super Bowl. And is that kind of a big requirement? Probably, because, you know, you think of Hall of Fame. I don't think they should just let anyone in the Hall of Fame. Do you know what I mean? My standards for the Hall of Fame are pretty high. I don't think they should just... Jim Kelly? Probably not, you know. Probably not. I mean, I know that that upset a lot of people, but they didn't win Super Bowls, man. I know that's not all what it's about, because obviously then you can get, you know, back-end of the roster guys who are winning Super Bowl rings and stuff like that. They're, they're, They're sort of automatically in. No, but... You know, I think it should be pretty high. I think it should be pretty difficult to get in. I definitely don't think your guy Julian Edelman should be in there for sure. Maybe that's another podcast. Dies, maybe, let's not, maybe let's not get into that on this podcast. <laughs> I was about to say, I said this in my group chat the other day. I'd never thought he was the first ballot, but I think maybe if he dies under mm-hmm. tragic circumstances, he'll get in a bit quicker. <laughs> but if he, I, I think 2050 is fairly reasonable just for a guy who, you know, I know they, tout Pro Bowl as the, the sort of thing, but he's had three Pro Bowl seasons and been snubbed every time. And we've seen the Pro Bowl guys don't always get it right. You know? Like, Pro Bowl's they, a they, popularity they... contest, man. <laughs> it, everything in the NFL is these days, if, if, mm. I, if I'm being totally uh, truthful. Even, even up to the draft at some point, some guys get... Look, we've seen it with Daniel Jones. Mm. I had him mocked in the fifth round. <laughs> and because he knew Peyton and Eli... They, they took him sixth. Was it hmm. sixth or seventh? Yeah, six, six, yeah. yeah. So, you know, a bit too much uh, playing favourites in this league. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been a great chat, actually. It's not often we get to chat one-on-one, especially uh, being recorded. Not always about the NFL. Mainly we are talking about college and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I will beat you down enough that you will eventually support LSU. Because <laughs> you don't really have a college team right now. No, I don't. Do I don't. I don't. I mean, I I know I kind of latched onto UNC last year, but it didn't grab me enough for me to make it like a permanent thing for sure. I mean, well, I, Oregon man. Again, like I'm, I mean, it's the kind of same thing. I kind of latch onto players, and then I kind of you know I latch onto Sam Howell and a few of the other UNC guys, obviously the running backs in particular this year, but. Obviously, they're gone now, so it's difficult for me to kind of go through and oh, who am I looking for now? I don't know if I'm that, that interested in looking back uh, you know, through the depth chart and things like that and the new guys coming in. Um, but yeah, Oregon, same thing. I kind of looked out for them because I liked Herbert you know, when he was there. So I um, kind of flit around probably like, you know, latch onto another team for prospects that I really like this year. I don't know. But yeah, no, I'm definitely still neutral in that sense, I would say. 
As I say, maybe you could stay in say in state and look at like a UCLA or a USC, <laughs> or, or or look at the SEC since that's where all the talent is. Um, <laughs> I but, don't know, man. You know, I'm a Pac-12 guy, so one of those teams. I think if I ever took up permanent off- residence, <laughs> you love the air raid offense a little bit too much. I think <laughs> I just love West Coast football. That's all. It's it's fun. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming on today, Lee. It's, it's been great mate. to talk about the, the Chargers and hope I didn't rib you too much about uh, Justin Trubisky or <laughs> the... Uh, the uh, I can't really rip on him. He's, he's played too well. Um, or your special teams. But yeah. It, I'm used to it now, mate. Talk, taught me some stuff about the Chargers, giving me sort of a new outlook in the team that I, I never really had. Um, but before we get out of here, we've got a plug the uh, draft guide full 10 yards.com forward slash shop you can see all our genius breakdowns me and lee both put a lot of work into it along with the other guys what positions did you do again so i did edge and the safety is obviously sticking on the defensive side for us so yeah i know you can see all my takes on on those two chapters of the book as you sort of, you always call it yeah go ahead and check it out and obviously for the people who are listening if you want to give out your twitter handle right now yeah, so as you can see on the screen, at Wakefield 90, really bad point there. I was absolutely on the other side of the screen. So, yeah, <laughs> bad it, one for me there. But too, where is it, the reverse? Yeah, it got, totally gets me all the time. I can't look at myself either because I'm reverse. So I look like I always like want to push my hair the opposite way. Anyway, not even here to talk about that. Yeah, at Wakefield 90 on the Twitter and also at Full 10 Yards CFB. I'm usually behind the family handle. But, yeah, no, man, it's been great. It's been been different. Obviously, you hosting me rather than the other way around. And like you say, talking one-on-one has been fantastic as well. So, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you coming on and everyone who's coming on and giving up their time for this. Eventually, we're going to get through all 32 teams, but I'm definitely going to be have to doing some guest scouting like I do with players, just looking for people who support kind of poverty franchises like the Jets and, and the Raiders and stuff. Definitely going to have to plumb the depths. Uh, There's some out there. there. There's some out there. We can we can find some people. The, the hardest thing is going to be Cardinals because I think there's like two fans who exist for that team. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll find one of them. Um, <laughs> we'll get them on. But I am the Himbo F10Y on the Twitter. You can count uh, catch me uh, telling people why I don't like Micah Parsons or shouting at Steelers fans. That's kind of just my thing now. Uh, being in the city of Cincinnati. But yeah, like I said, check out all the socials that are down below and make sure you go and pick up a draft guide full10yards.com for slash shop. Um, yeah, genius work by us guys. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go. Hey,